Chuck Schumer and the New York General Assembly call for Cuomo to resign. There are still kids in cages. The Democratic establishment doesn't want unity. Cuomo blames cancel culture. And yes, Biden is still cognitively declining. This is the Matan Berg Show. All right, welcome back, everyone. I'm doing twice weekly now. That's why I'm back a little bit earlier than I usually would be. Um, so before I get to the main segments, I want to talk about a few things. Uh, first of all, I am recording this an hour earlier than I should be because I'm recording on Sunday. You'll hear this on Monday uh, because of daylight savings time. And I, I got to say, I have no idea why we are still we are still uh we still have daylight savings time. It makes no sense to me. Um, I feel like if the UN could do one thing, I mean, it seems like they're powerless at this point. They're just a formality. But if they could do one thing in this world, it would be to end daylight savings time. Uh, Hawaii and parts of Arizona, I think most of Arizona, doesn't uh, observe daylight savings time. They're fine. Uh, if you actually listen to most farmers who are usually, you know, uh, proclaimed as the reason for daylight savings time, they'll tell you, it actually hurts us. Uh, it's completely outdated and it just messes up with everyone's uh, circadian rhythm. And I don't, I don't see the point anymore. Uh, I think probably 90% of people are, are done with it. I just thought I'd bring that up as something fun to talk about. Um, also, I just want to go over a little bit uh, the just sheer amount of identity politics we've been seeing uh, in the Biden administration, uh, in the House and Senate. Uh, just just uh, in these first few months is is insane. Uh, you know, I've said this a million times, but it's so much more beneficial, both strategically and uh, politically, to say that someone supports the right things and not that they identify or are X, Y, or Z. Um, you know, the, the, the best counter-argument is that Sure, we can have women and black people and transgender people and gay people and lesbian people in power, uh, but if they're still bombing foreign countries, it's not that much of an accomplishment. Uh, saying, yay, women can you know, bomb the Middle East now is just not, it's not that exciting uh, unless you're really just in it for identity and not outcome. So it's just, it should always be about choosing the best people and not necessarily about choosing uh you know, based on race, gender, or anything else. Uh, if you choose the best people, diversity will come naturally. And I always say that. Uh, representation is important. Diversity is important. Uh, but they will come naturally if you're choosing the best people. And uh, the amount of identity poli politics cover-up for people that don't support the right things and are doing bad things that we're seeing right now is insane. Uh, you know, for example, General Lloyd Austin... Uh, the Secretary of Defense, who takes millions of dollars from Raytheon, is in the clear because he's the first black defense secretary. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what Jen Psaki says about, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what she says that's incorrect uh, because she's uh, a woman press secretary. And I'm not saying everyone's saying that. Very few people are, but that argument is very weak. And we should just be judging people much more on merit and character and what they want to implement. And uh, I think that's very important. 
So Andrew Cuomo, man, not not a good week. Uh, it looks like he actually might be forced to resign as countless Democrats are calling on him for it. And words can't really describe how happy this makes me feel. So listen to this. It's nice knowing you, Andrew. Uh, it's been a nice run. Not really. I'm, I'm more than happy to see him go. Uh, notable, no, and he's not gone yet, but notable people who are calling him to resign. Jerry Nadler, representative. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Jamal Bowman, Mondaire Jones, uh, and and perhaps most notably, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand in the Senate, and Senator, that's right, Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, and the majority of the New York Democrats in the General Assembly in New York. Unbelievable. Um, it's so rare when people who do horrible things and terrible people actually get called out for it and actually have repercussions in this country that, I mean, it's just, it's just so, so great to see. Um, so lots of people and it's great, but it was the wrong thing to tip the scale. The six assault allegations should be taken extremely seriously and without being a lawyer or a jury or a judge, if I were to judge base, uh, Solely based on Cuomo's merit, I'd say he's guilty. For all of them, who knows? But do I? would I peg him as someone who would assault women? I wouldn't put it past him in the slightest. That being said, the nursing home in July should have, should have been what had made everyone call for him to resign. Not, this, uh, not these allegations now, as bad as they are, and that, that's great, and it should add on to the severity of how bad he is. Um... But besides, you know, Ron Kim in New York, uh, Cortez um, in, in the House, not enough Democrats are asking him to resign because of the nursing home scandal, which is really just a crime. So I'm, I'm thrilled that he will not necessarily resign yet. I think he's going to play it out maybe even for a few more months. But eventually he's going to have to. And even if he doesn't, he won't win re-election. This is the end of his political career. And, oh, it's such a relief. Would I be happy for this sort of thing to happen to Trump, too? Or to Newsom in California, all these terrible governors? Um, yes. But we got one. And it's a great feeling. Uh, I will not miss Cuomo, even in the slightest. Um, and, you know, I, I'm happy that... I think this is something that Republicans and progressives, and now even a, a large majority of the establishment, they're all ganging up against Cuomo. It's him versus everybody. And it's just so great to see. Um, you know, Republicans don't like him because they think his nursing home thing was, you know, authoritative. Uh, progressives don't like him because, wait, he actually cut Medicare too. So, you know, that's not very authoritative. He's just, you know, I just see him as a Republican economically and I am thrilled to see him go. Na, 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 na. Hey, hey. Goodbye. There are still kids in cages. 
And not only are there still kids in cages, there are more than there have ever been in this country before. And there's hypocrisy on so many levels. Republicans are saying that you have to call Biden now because there are kids in cages when they didn't call Trump out for doing the exact same thing. And Republicans are also simultaneously, because they want their cake and they want to eat it too, they're saying he's also for open borders and is opening all the borders, which is an oxymoron. Because you can't have kids in cages and be open border at the same time. It doesn't make any sense. And then you have Democrats who aren't calling Biden out for it when they ruthlessly called out Trump, rightfully so, for it during his administration. The only people I see as being uh, intellectually consistent are, uh, you know, the Democratic Socialists, the progressives, who are calling both Trump and Biden out for doing terrible things. And that's sort of the purpose of populism. You call out people in power. And it's not just uh, Democratic establishment, it's also the media, which are sort of synonymous. But you have Jen Psaki, who's saying... Uh, oh, no, no, they're just like correctional facilities with like great air conditioning and stuff. It's it's not a problem. It's just a, you know, what else would you do? You have to, you know, you have to make sure that, you know, there's no crime or whatever. I mean, how is that not the same argument that Trump was making and his uh, media team? It is. And then you have the mainstream media just letting him off the hook for it. Sure, they'll do a story every now and then. But what I mean was wall-to-wall coverage. When it was first happening under Trump a year or two ago, I mean, every other second it was the evils of Trump and putting kids in cages. And they were accurate to call that out. And now that it's Biden, you hear nothing. And it's so it's so depressing that's the state of our media in the country. And not only that, the cage, the infamous cage picture that everyone saw during the Trump administration was actually from the Obama administration. So in other words, is Trump to blame? Absolutely. But Obama and Biden built the cages. And to say otherwise is intellectually inaccurate. They built the cages. Biden is continuing the cages now that he's back in power. Trump continued them too. So he's not free of any blame. He made it worse and Biden's making it even worse now. The media has no capability to actually hold people in power accountable. They will just let Biden off the hook. And they might even go back to say, oh, it's Trump's fault. He's just he's working on fixing Trump's stuff, but he hasn't gotten there yet, which is not true. Because, yeah, Biden built the cages. So did Obama. Trump made him worse. Biden's making him even worse. No one's free of any blame, not the media, not the Republicans, not the Democrats. The only people who are right in this situation are the progressives who are calling everyone out. And you had to call everyone out here because they're literally separating kids from families and putting them in literal cages. I mean, there's no other way but to bring the pathos there. I mean, what they're doing is completely immoral and it has to stop. All right, so we heard it all throughout 2016 and 2020 in the Democratic primaries. It's all about unity. The Democrats need to unify under the common goal of beating Trump and defeating fascism 
and, you know, putting the best forward for the majority of the country. Sounds great. Not true. It's not, it's not what they wanted. First of all, they lost to Trump in 2016. He was about the most beatable major candidate in U.S. history. And the only put up, person they put up there was the only person that could have been worse, Hillary Clinton. It's just true. Now, Clinton was better than Trump. Uh, you know, it depends on the issue. But for the most part, yes. But it didn't come across that way. It came across as elitism versus populism. What it really was was elitism versus fake populism, which was really elitism. But nonetheless, Trump won. And I think it's because of the, the Rust Belt and him campaigning there and Clinton not campaigning there enough in the last week or raising enough money there and said it was Nevada. And he he went there and said, listen, Bill Clinton outsourced your jobs with NAFTA. I'm going to get rid of NAFTA. And he did. Was the new plan great? Not really, but he won. So the Democratic establishment never really wanted unity. And why is this apparent? Well, it's coming out now that Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, and Hillary Clinton were about to do everything in their power in 2020 to make sure that Bernie wasn't the nominee, even if it meant Trump winning. That was seen to many people as equally bad. It was Biden is better than Trump is equal to Bernie. Now, of course, it's Bernie is better than Biden is better than Trump. But the way that Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and Tom Perez, the uh, Democratic chair, the way they saw it, it was it was uh, Biden or nothing. And ironically, that's what progressives get called out for all the time. It's my way or the highway. That's exactly what the establishment was was doing as well. Bill Clinton was ready to give all, all these stories or whatever. Hillary Clinton was ready to jump in the race when it looked like Bernie was going to win. Barack Obama was talking to Wall Street, trying to talk up Elizabeth Warren to at least have more moderacy. It was insane. And they don't, they don't want, they do not want unity and neither should we. It's time for a civil war. It really is time for a civil war. If they don't want unity, neither should we. And something else crazy that happened in Nevada. Every single state chair race was won by a Democratic Socialist. Now, what did all the staffers do that were centrists? They all resigned. They don't want unity. They see Democratic Socialism as just as bad as Republicans. They see it as extreme socialism versus extreme fascism, and they're this happy middle. Now, what it really is, is social democracy versus just boring status quo elitism, which is also almost a democratic facet as well. The people are also already unified. If they really want unity, well, 70% of people support Medicare for all. Looks like 68% of people want to raise the minimum wage to $15. It's now around 55% of people who want UBI in this country. If you want unity, you already have it. 
the people are unified on the issues. What they mean when they say unity is, oh, we're going to unify with Republicans. We're going to unify within Congress. And guess what? Congress has a 25% approval rating. They are not what's really unity for the people. They're unity for themselves and their corporate donors and special interests and money and non-term limits. What's unity for everyone is socially progressive policy. That is what people want. If the democratic establishment doesn't want unity, we shouldn't either. It is really past time for civil war and I gotta say, the House Democrats are really weak on this front. They are they are constantly making friends uh, within, within the circle. They're not using their power. There's a five-vote majority that Pelosi has. If five Democrats said, we're not voting for anything unless we get what we want, they could be the Joe Manchin of the House. Guess what? It's a perfect equalizer. And they did it, sort of, when they called on Harris to override the parliamentarian, but they said, oh, if you don't do it, we'll still vote for it. You gave up all your ground. So you have to really push for it by saying, we're not going to vote for anything that you want unless we get what we want, which is more progressive change. So yeah, it's either a lot of change or no change. And if that's the way to get a lot of change, then I think it's good because you get a lot of change. It's an actual outcome and it works. The Democrats would lose if they don't do anything. They have to do something. And if five Democrats, they have 23 easily. If five Democrats had the guts to do it, we could say a Democratic establishment, look, you didn't want unity. We don't want it either. Boom. Andrew Cuomo is now saying that what's happening to him is cancel culture. Cancel culture is now the scapegoat for everything. You say something ridiculous and you can blame cancel culture. I think if you say something racist online, you're allowed to be fired for it. And you don't have to blame cancel culture for it. Now, of course, there are scenarios where this is not the case. And does cancel culture exist? Yes, and it is bad. But this is not cancel culture, Andrew. You killed thousands of people in nursing homes and probably assaulted six women. There's no cancel culture there. That's just, you're doing bad things and you're getting called out for it and you're facing repercussions. And I know it's rare for you to think that because dang, like people in power never are held accountable. And that's why I'm rejoicing because it's so rare. This Trump's not gonna be held accountable. All the ridiculous things that Obama and Clinton and Bush and go back in line, all 45 presidents did. And almost everyone in Congress is currently doing with special interests, which is sometimes legal and sometimes not. They're not, they're not getting held accountable for it. But yeah, Andrew, you are. So maybe you're the only one, but you probably did the worst stuff. So good for you. If you have to resign for it, I'm glad because you should be going to jail. So if all you have to do is resign, you should be happy. This is not cancel culture. And, you know, I do wonder how Andrew Cuomo is feeling because do, do I have any empathy for him? No, not at all. But he went from hero to zero like this in, what was it? Like July, August, around the time of the convention, there were people speculating that because of Biden's like cognitive health, that they were just going to do a quick little switcheroo for Cuomo because he was that popular then. In New York, he was giving these uh, 
daily press talks and it was so calming for everyone and he was this beautiful juxtaposition to Trump and and everyone was just so happy but what they didn't really know is he was doing the same crap as Trump did he was cutting Medicaid and having terrible policy that put people positive people tested people back into nursing homes and he didn't do anything about it and he covered it up and he wrote a book and made himself a hero and he was considered a hero and almost li- he literally almost became president now did he really no but if you look at the betting markets he he was at like five six cents there are people genuinely speculating and i do think the democrats in power the high up ones tom perez chuck schumer nancy pelosi maybe even Obama, they all sat down in a circle and they were like, are we, gonna, are we gonna do this? Can Biden really do this? And I think they went with yes, and it was a very smart choice because having Cuomo uh, and all this come out, uh, it would have been horrible for them. You know, imagine asking now the president to resign. That would have been crazy. I don't know. You know, I honestly think Cuomo might have even lost, but this was, it was then that it was coming out during the election. Um, so it's crazy. And you can't blame cancel culture. You just can't. Uh, you know, there's this great picture of him outside with a blanket over him and on the phone. He can't believe it. He can't believe it. He was the hero. He was he was joking around with Chris on CNN and doing their propaganda. And he was everywhere and he was being hailed and he was on late night and he was writing books. And he, New York was being praised as the best state in the nation when they were the worst. And now, his best friends, his best buddies from Jerry Nadler to... Andrew Cuomo, uh, Jerry Nadler to Chuck Schumer are, are all calling on him. They're, they're saying, all right, we kind of got to do this for strategical reasons. No one likes you anymore, so we got to call you in. And, you know, you almost feel a little bad for him. He really, really went from hero to zero. And, and it's just, it's spectacular. Feel free to say what you want. But the way I see it, it is my opinion that, yes, Joe Biden is still very much cognitively declining. The reason it seems like he wasn't is because for the last 100 or so days, even before he was president, during the campaign season, he was only ever reading on script. Now, Donald Trump is the exact opposite. He can't read on script for anything. He's, he's terrible and he's unenthusiastic and very uncharismatic and not fun to listen to when he's on script. And when he's off script... He can control a crowd like nothing you've ever seen before. Biden, on the other hand, is a pretty good script reader. You know, if he's got a script, he can be, you know, very subtle, very emotional and get the point through pretty well. Now, do I agree with it? You know, not always, but when he's off script, it's brutal. And great example of this the other day, he was giving a speech and you know, he just veered off script for just a little bit. And he said, you know, he was talking about, and, you know, I'd like to thank uh, the general uh, or the former general, or I keep calling him something. He couldn't remember his name, the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, who, by the way, is taking millions from Raytheon, sidebar, but he couldn't remember his name. And sure, do people forget names? Yes it just doesn't look good. And it's speculation. I'm not a doctor. Can I definitively say he's declining? Of course not. But the fact that he never took a cognitive test is a little bit telling. Does it matter? Not that much. Is this the right, you know, the die on the hill issue? Not at all. 
but it is worth noting that yeah um he's he's probably not all cognitively there and you know it's fine for now but if he tries to run for re-election in three and a half years and there's a progressive challenger that should come up that yeah he's not really that fit to be in office neither was trump you know he was physically unfit and he was an idiot and was terrible on policy but i think it's safe to say that uh Biden is certainly not uh, in his prime with his off-script speaking abilities. I can say that at the very least. And, you know, I I hope I'm wrong. You know, I don't want anything bad for him. But uh, the way I see it uh, is that he's not, he's not all there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Feel free to watch the video on YouTube, The Matonberg Show. Audio, of course, is wherever you're listening. It's also, you know, on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can follow me on my other social medias, at The Matonberg Show on Instagram, and at Berg Maton, capital B and M, on Twitter. Thanks for watching again. Hopefully everyone catches up on sleep from Daylight Savings Time, and I will see everyone on Friday. Matan Berg Show is written and produced by Matan Berg. The audio engineer is Reed Jorgensen. Marketing by Noah Berg.